Praise God. Let me remind you that Sunday we will be having special services, encounter service 9 and 11, and also at 6 o'clock on Sunday evening. We'll be worshiping the Lord together. And, uh, Jimmy, uh, Lovejoy will be with us for those special services, and I know that you will be blessed by that. Amen. So invite somebody to come and be a part of those services with you, okay? Amen. Amen. Judges chapter 20. To read a few portions of scripture here tonight. Judges chapter 20. Never gave these to the media people, so that's my bad tonight. Judges 20, I want to read verse 18. Verse 18, then the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God, to choir of God. They said, which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah first. So the children of Israel arose from the morning and camped against them. And the men of Israel went out uh, to battle. Verse 23, uh, excuse me battle against uh, Benjamin and the men of Israel put themselves in battle array and fought against them and then the children of Benjamin came out uh, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites verse 23 Uh, just in case you missed it this is Israel in a battle with Benjamin. God said, they inquired of God in verse 18, said, should we go up against them? Who should we send first? He said, Benjamin. And then they went to battle and Benjamin slaughters them. Verse 23, then the children of Israel went up, wept before the Lord until evening and asked the counsel of the Lord, saying, shall I again draw near for battle against the children of the brother of Benjamin and the Lord said go up against them verse 26 and so all the children of Israel that is all the people went up and came to the house of God and wept because uh, you want to read in between they get whipped again okay verse 25 verse 26 they go up again they say Uh, came up to the house of God and wept and they said before the Lord and fasted the day until evening and they offered burnt offerings and sacrifices before the Lord. Then uh, verse 28, the latter part, it said, shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin or shall I cease? And the Lord said, go up for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. In verse 35, it says, Then the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjamites. All these drew the sword. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight. I won't keep you real long, but I do feel like I have something to say. I want to talk to you tonight on a third time praise a third time praise 
Father, take these moments that we have together. Cause them to be most effective. Let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Let it be encouragement for the discouraged. Let it be strength for those who are weak tonight. Let it be for those that are uplifting, just the faith in their heart to grow nearer and nearer to you. And we give you thanks for it now in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Every year, a farmer plants seed. Every year... The harvest grows. Every year, the harvest is collected, and then the cycle begins again. The next year, the farmer plants, the farmer, then the harvest grows, and then the harvest is reaped. This happens year after year. No farmer ever plants seed into the ground one year and then expects a continual harvest in succeeding years without replanting the seed. So they sow year after year. The farmer does not go out to the barren field and say, I planted seed in you last year. Why am I not getting a harvest? He always knows that if he wants to receive a harvest, he must plant seed in the season in which he is in. In other words, no farmer expects to have a continual perpetual harvest because they planted corn one time or cotton one time, but they know that they must continue to plant We need to understand this principle tonight in spiritual terms that we, if we want a continual harvest, then we must be about continually sowing. It is not just sowing. I know that some get bent out of shape when you talk about sowing because that people have made it all about money. Uh, There are some, there is a principle of sowing and reaping concerning money. There is seed time and harvest of all things, but but we all have to understand that it's more than just money. It is the money, but it is also the word of God. It is also faith. It is also our worship. It is also the act of praise and thanksgiving. It is the seed that we sow. The Bible said you will reap what you sow. And so if you're sowing in sorrow, then you're going to reap sorrow. If you're sowing in bitterness and strife and anger, you're going to reap back the harvest of that. But if you choose in the midst of your sorrow to to sow into joy... Amen. Then darkness can only endure for the night, but the season that you sown is going to bring joy in your morning. And so, in other words, we we come to an understanding that we are not looking for the harvest many uh, most of the time upon what we have sown in the last season of our life, but we are talking about the season that we are now in. Why? Because every new season requires new and fresh seed. Amen. We must determine as we go into a new season that, and I believe that we are going into a new season. 
I believe that this is a freshness of heaven. I believe that God is doing something for us here at the tabernacle and perhaps the church at large, the body of Christ. But I do believe that here that God is gracing us with a a new season. We are seeing freshness of his hand as he is breathing upon us and ministering to us. And so with that comes a responsibility on our part to sow a new seed, sow a fresh praise, sow a fresh worship, sow some fresh faith. So a fresh commitment, right? Why? Because every season requires a new seed. In John chapter 5, we read about this man who had suffered from an infirmity, the Bible said, for 38 years. He was completely crippled and unable to walk. And the Bible said that he was not able to move. But the Bible tells us that on a certain season that the angel of the Lord would come down and trouble the waters at the pool of Bethesda. And when the waters were troubled, that the first one that stepped into the pool, right, was the one who was made whole from whatever disease that they had. But you see, this man had had nobody to put him in. He had nobody to help him. He, He was there at the right place at the right time, but yet there was no movement in his life. And so we see that the time came when Jesus would come and walk up to this man and he says to him, do you want to be made whole? Now, it would sound like a foolish question, but his answer shows me that Jesus knew his heart because he looked at him and he did not say yes. I'm thinking that if somebody comes to me and I'm in a devastating situation for 38 years and and they think and have some kind of hope that things can be different, I'm on board with that. I'll say, yeah, I'll try anything once to get out of this place because I've been here for 38 years. But when he talks to Jesus, ask him, do you want to be made whole? The man does not say yes. He, he begins to tell him his history. He begins to tell him why he can't be healed. He begins to tell him of his past and how that he's been here for 38 years and he's watched everyone else before him as the angel in this season would shift in his life and he had the opportunity for his life to change, but he had nobody to help him. He he talked to him about, I don't have anybody and I've been here all this time and all of these things, but Jesus looked at him and said, I didn't, you know, and this is my own terminology, but he said, I didn't ask you about your past. I'm asking you about your future. Do you want to be made whole from here on out? Do you want things to change from now? And I believe that we've got to be careful in the body of Christ that whenever God would ask us a question and we step into a new season of our life, that we don't begin to allow what has happened in our past to cause us to miss the promise for our future. That God is 
is able to shift a thing because a new season has come. And so he looks at this man and he says, I know that the, the, the troubling of the water, I know the angel comes, but I'm just asking you today, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be healed? He didn't think that it was possible for him to be healed because of the condition and the limits of his particular season that he was in. How many times do we feel that we can't have our healing, we can't have our miracle, we can't have our breakthrough because of the condition and the limitations that we have? It may be the condition of our job. It may be the condition of our family. It may be the limitation of of our mindset because after you've been somewhere for 38 years, you get a mindset. It becomes a stronghold. Strongholds aren't out there. Strongholds are in our mind. So Paul would tell us to, to renew our minds, to not allow anything to hinder us from believing the report and the word of God. But he said, tear down those strongholds. Where at in our mind? And so after 38 years, this man said, my condition and my limitations won't allow me to be healed. But when Jesus spoke to this crippled man, he was trying to take him from a place of believing beyond his current limitations and beyond his former experiences. Because his current limitation was, I'm crippled. And his former experience was, I can't get in. Right? And so if we're not careful, we'll allow what, when we can come into an atmosphere such as this tonight, even on a Wednesday night, or we can come into the presence of the Lord and, and we'll begin to rationalize it for ourselves. And, and we'll, and God will say, do you want that miracle today? Do you want your life to change? Do you want your family turned around? And then we'll begin to rationalize it and we'll tell him our conditions. We'll tell them how how bad the situation is. We'll tell him why we can't get there. And then he will, we'll say, God, I I, I believed you before, but I, uh," and we start telling him of all of the times that we believed before and it didn't happen. And so it brings him to this place and Jesus is trying to pull him out in his mind of this condition that he is in and the limitation of his past. Basically, Jesus is telling this man that even though he didn't have anyone to put him in the water in the past, didn't mean that he didn't have to be there forever. Amen. He was saying just because it wasn't your season before doesn't mean that it's not your season now. It doesn't mean that it's not the time or the season for you to be over this 38 years of affliction. Praise God. You see, we've got to hear the word of the Lord. We've got to know the timing is everything. And even though that we may be going through the same process, we see and feel 
still the same God that we've got to understand timing. We've got to understand that, yes, it may not have happened yesterday. It may have not even happened 10, 20, or 30 years ago. But this time, I'm believing that this is my season. This time, I'm believing that my family's going to turn around. This may be the praise that brings my son back to Christ. This may be the hallelujah that'll deliver my daughter from addiction and bondage in her life. So I'm just going to go ahead and praise him because this might be my season right now. Amen. I want you to hear what Jesus says and is saying in our, in our spirit and in our life because I believe that this is a new season for us. God wants us to take our place as believers and not be bound by the limitations of yesterday, but for us to go where we've never gone before and understand that our limitations of yesterday are not going to stop our expectancy of God today. Their faith has to be involved. Faith is an action. Faith has to be activated. So Jesus would require in every miracle that he ever done that faith be activated in the natural by some action. He would tell the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. He would tell the blind man to go wash in the pool. He would tell the crippled man, rise and walk. He he told them and gave them uh, directions or instructions to do something that would take them beyond their limitations so that they could see God in a different perspective. But the problem comes is whenever you haven't ever seen God do a thing before. If you have seen God open blind eyes and you're blind, you can believe God for your sight. If you have have seen somebody delivered from addictions and you yourself have that limitation, you can believe God to do that for you. If, If you have seen somebody else's spouse come in, huh? you can believe God that if they God did it for them, then he can do it for me. If God delivered their son, their daughter, then God can do it for me. But if you haven't ever seen God do it, can he do it? Martha and Mary have this situation. Their past experience had limited them. And because of their present condition, they didn't believe that Jesus was able to help them. Right? You're walking with me, right? Martha and Mary, best friends with Jesus, and now Lazarus, their brother, is dead, and they they didn't have no problem. They said, if you'd have been here a couple of days ago, you could have healed him because they had seen Jesus heal. Amen. They could believe God for that. They, they believe God that, God, you, Jesus, you can do this because we've seen you do it before. 
But now that, 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 that limitation, the past experience was they had never seen him raise anybody from the dead. And so now their present situation was he is dead. So what do you do when you're in a present situation that is dead and your past doesn't tell you or your past experience doesn't say that Jesus is able to raise from the dead? Well, they did what we would do. We can stand on this side of the story because we know what happened. But put yourself there, not knowing that Jesus was able to raise from the dead. Not knowing that your best friend, for some reason, you have given all of your life and given everything that you had. And why couldn't have he got here four days earlier? But now he's too late. Amen. And their past experience was he can heal, but, but the limitation was he is dead. But Jesus told them, he said he is only sleeping. What they did not understand is that their past experience did not limit him from a new season in his life for him to be raised from the dead. And for that present limitation that was upon them to be broken off of him and he would rise up from the grave. Amen. You see, I believe tonight that there are some dead things. We've done wrapped it up. We've done put our eulogy over it. We've said it will never come to pass. We believe God for it in another season, but we didn't see it happen, huh? We believed God in another season and we said, if you'd have only been here before, this could have taken place. We could have had this, but the devil is a liar because you see, everything is not in our timing or our season season, but he has a timing and a season that is perfectly ordered of the Lord. And so whenever we begin to trust him, it may be in a season that we cannot see what we're believing for. It may be in a time and a season when the limitation of our condition says this will never happen. But if you can press your way in and believe God for the miraculous, if you can press your way in beyond the doubt and the disbelief of the present condition that you're in and begin to dare to believe him that nothing is impossible to them that believe that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I'm able to ask or even think according to the power that is now working in my life hallelujah Jesus told the crippled man arise It was a way of bringing him to a greater level of faith. He was bringing him to a higher level, arise. He always calls us up, huh? He always calls us up. He is calling him to arise. It is a picture to me to say, if you can, I know that your faith is down there crippled. I know your faith is limited by 38 years, but if you can just get up, amen? This man heard a fresh word which brought him into a new season of faith. And when he heard this word, he responded with an act of faith that he he had never done before. He had never done this before. But the Bible said he stood up. As powerful and almighty as Jesus is, I wouldn't say was, but is, because he still is. 
Whatever he's ever done, he's still doing. Huh? I said, whatever he's done, he's still doing. But as powerful and almighty as Jesus is, it was that man's choice, decision to stand up. He had to believe in his limited situation and his mindset of yesterday. He had to stand up in the middle of that. Amen. When Jesus said, arise, the man could have said, I can't. He could have said, don't you, did you not hear what I said? I've been here for 38 years. He could have said, I'm not able to stand, but he chose to stand up. Glory to God. He made the decision to arise. He made a decision to receive that fresh word over his life and do something for himself. And if you want something new in a new season, you'll have to be willing to do something new that you've never done before. You will have to be willing to say in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your frustration, in the midst of your past preaching to you, you've got to stand up in the middle of it and say, I received this fresh word of the Lord over my life for a fresh season in my life. Amen. Then we look in Acts chapter three. The Bible said there's a man here who is lame from his mother's womb. Day in and day out, this man is sitting at the gate of the temple begging for alms of those who are entering into worship, right? And as they lay at the gate daily, he is expecting. And what he is expecting to receive is alms from those who pass by. Then one day, unexpectedly, everything changes because unknowing to him, there's been a shift There is a different season because this is not the first time they've been to the temple to pray, but this is the first time after Pentecost (laughs) they've been to the temple to pray. And so while they were still expecting from his past experience to receive mere alms, he did not understand he has, there's a new season that has taken place. And now there is a power that is working in these men that is the Holy Spirit that is enabling them to release miracles into their lives. So Peter talks to the lame man and says, look on us. And this was his way of saying, you know what? You have been looking for to men for alms, but today I'm going to give you a miracle. When Peter grabbed that man by the hand, it was his way of pulling him into a place of a new faith. The lame man had to make a decision. He could have said, just leave me alone. But he said, I'm on, going to go ahead and go along for the ride. Amen. He chose to rise up when Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up. He chose to get up. He chose. He could have, he could have said, just said, I'm going to lay right here like a dead weight and I'm going to see if he can pull me up. 
Or he could have been like some charismatic people today and say, I dare you to pull me. Or some good church folk, you can get you three more elders and come on over here and see if you can get me up. Amen. But I'm going to, I'm not going to be moved, but he didn't. Instead, when Peter pulled on his arm, he said, let's go. I'm ready. He made a decision that this time of sitting around here begging for alms day in and day out, my season has come to an end. My season has changed. Somewhere in this account, there was a shift in this lame man's mindset. There was a a shift that he made, a conscience decision that said, I'm going to stop looking for alms and I'm going to start believing for a miracle. Amen. I'm going to stop looking for an alms that will sustain me for a day and I'm going to start looking for a miracle that can sustain me for all of my life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He chose to allow faith to arise in his heart. And this caused a shift within his mind. Instead of believing for alms, he started believing for a miracle. Instead of believing for relief, which was temporary, he started believing for a remedy, which was permanent. Remember, this man was begging. He was financially destitute. And surviving day by day on alms that he had received. But not only was he suffering from financial lack, he could not walk. So he is financially in lack and he is physically limited. He had, had been a, a, not able to walk. He, if he could have been able to walk, he would have been able to work. Right? He could have earned a living. But he was not able to walk and so he had to beg. And what what a shame that it is that he would sit at a gate looking for temporary fix instead of a permanent solution. I said what it was that he would be bound in his mind to think that if I can just get a temporary fix instead of something switching in him to say, I know I can get a permanent solution. But my question is tonight to all of us, how many times do we expect alms when God, we should be expecting a solution? When or how many times are we looking for something to sustain us for a day when God is wanting to break the yoke and remove the burden? When God is wanting to give us something that will cause us to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we're able to ask or even think. If we can dare to believe him, he can take us from begging for alms to believing for a permanent solution that will shift our mindset that we say, God, you're greater than my circumstance. You're greater than my past. You're greater than the situations around me. And I dare to believe you that in this new season that my life will be shifted not only will I have more than enough in abundance but my physical body will be restored to that which you have created to be why because I'm not here for alms I'm here for a solution (laughs) 
How many times have we expected a relief when we should be expecting a remedy? How often have we expected temporary fixes rather than permanent solutions? There's a command going forth in this new season. It is to leave the former things of the past and look forward to the new season that is ahead. Amen. It's time for fresh word, fresh faith. It's time for fresh commitment, fresh worship and fresh praise. It's time for a freshness in our singing, freshness in our clap, freshness in the lifting, come on, of our hands. It isn't an old stagnant, but it is a freshness of his word that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. It brings purpose and points us toward our purpose and defines our destiny. And we're hungry for his word and a freshness of his uh, heaven to be released upon on our life. It's time for us to forget those things which are behind. Amen. And press toward that which is yet ahead of us. Because the problem with the past is the past is always in the in the future in the present is always greater than what it was when you were there. That's the reason why people talk about the good old days. Amen. The good old days. Tell me about the good old days. Well, you could buy a loaf of bread for a quarter. Yeah, but nobody had a quarter. Amen. Good old days. I remember going to my great-grandmother's house. If this is the good old days, the outhouse. Mm-mm. <laughs> Amen. And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up on the good old days. And we get used to and comfortable with sitting around the pool. The pool's nice if you're not crippled. The pool's nice if you're not broke. Come on, somebody. The pool's nice, but you see, he wasn't just by a, 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 a pool in the, uh, you know, in the beautiful, uh, majestic places that we see in, in life. He was by a pool that was surrounded by all kinds of other people that were sick. But if we're not careful, we'll get the mindset that we're good right here. I remember growing up in the church and the church, the biggest Pentecostal church that I knew in our region uh, growing up. But I go back by that church today and I look at that and I say, that's much smaller than I remember. Anybody else? And if we're not careful, we'll get caught up on what has been and it'll feel like it's so big and we'll remember it so glorious that we miss what God's doing right now. And wants to reveal right now in us. Glory. Judges chapter 20. I'm going to finish here. The Israelites were getting ready to go into battle against the tribe of Benjamin. The Bible says that Israel prayed and sought the Lord and asked, Shall we go up against Benjamin? Shall we go into battle? And the Lord clearly says to them, 
Yes. He gave them specific instructions on how they were to go. You are to send Judah first into battle. He also, we also understand that Judah means praise, right? We, we know that. We've taught that for years. We understand that Judah means praise. In other words, he told them, send praise first. Amen. Cover praise. Send your praise. Your praise goes before everything else. Judah was the first tribe. If you looked at the tribes as they would go through the desert from an aerial standpoint, it would look like a cross that was moving through the desert. But yet at the front of that would always be Judah. It would be praise because as I've taught you before, praise goes where you cannot go. It goes ahead of you. Your voice, it amplifies. It goes ahead of you. It prepares the way. It prepares the atmosphere. And so we must send praise into battle and the Israelites obeyed and sent Judah first and what happens they're defeated not only defeated they were devastated they returned and prayed and said God what shall we do shall we go up against them a second time and the Lord said go and they go up against them. And I'll notice that if you, when you read this, you can read the story when you get home. But what's interesting to me, he never changes his instructions to them. So the first time, send Judah first. The second time, he don't say, you know, put Judah in the back. So it indicates to me if it didn't change, they needed to do the same thing. So Judah goes again ahead of them. He leads them into battle. He leads them into this this, uh, enemy-held territory. And the Bible says the second time that they were defeated again. They come back and they begin to weep before God. They fast and they begin to pray. And they ask of the Lord, they said, Shall we go a third time into battle with Benjamin? And the Lord said, go, and this time I will give them into your hands. They went the third time and they experienced an incredible victory. Utterly defeated and annihilated Benjamin. It is important to understand that each time God instructed them, he told them to go first with Judah, go first with praise. They had never told them to change up the battle. They were to send praise first all three times. How many times has a man or a woman of God told you, praise God for your victory, praise God for the miracle, praise God for your healing, Praise God for your breakthrough. How many times have you seemingly reminded you that even though that you believe God, even though you praise God, even though you worship God, that, that you gave it your very best and seemingly the result was defeat. You didn't see anything shift. You didn't see anything turn around. You didn't see the victory come. Do you think that the man or the woman of God missed it? Do you think that 
you shouldn't have praised God. Do you think that God missed it? Oh, no. I submit to you today that it's always proper to praise God. It is always proper to give him glory. But please allow me to answer these questions tonight. Did the man or woman of God miss it? Did God miss it? Should you have not praised? I can answer all three. No, no, and no. Sometimes we have to praise him even though we don't see results. God wants to see if you will praise him even when nothing will happen. He wants to see if you're faithful whenever situations have come your way and you have praised him. And you, But will you be consistent with your praise? Will you praise him tonight and nothing happen? But yet you rise in the morning to give him glory, give him praise and give him honor. Will you be tenacious in your praise? Will you be persistent in your worship? Will you call him lovely even although hell is assailing against you? Will you celebrate and call him you are good even though your situation is bad? You see, timing is everything. And if you'll just praise him because he's God, it may not happen tonight. It may have not happened yesterday. But your consistency and your persistency in your worship and in your praise and you're going to step into a new season and a new time and the darkness is going to flee healing is going to come hope is going to be renewed joy is going to be restored peace of mind is going to come your family is going to turn around that situation in your job is going to shift the circumstances are going to be different why because you was persistent in your praise you was persistent in your worship you dared to praise him when nothing was going on oh come on and praise him right there i dare to give you a third time praise come on just give him a third time praise oh look like the enemy whipped me the first time and the second time but i'm coming with a third praise with my lips i will praise you i will bless the lord at all times and your praise will be in my mouth because you are worthy of my praise hallelujah time for fresh praise it's time for a new season that brings forth new seed that produces a new harvest amen and even though the devil had you down last year and even though he beat you around last week you should not give up your praise but come on at him and say give me your best shot baby but I'm going to still praise God I'm going to still give him glory I'm still going to give him honor that prayer wasn't answered the way I thought it was going to be answered but you're still God my situation didn't turn around the way I thought it was going to turn around but you're still my provider you're still El Elyon you're still the most high God and so therefore I will bless the Lord hallelujah come on and give him your best praise right here tonight come on just give him a third time praise it didn't work the first time. It didn't work the second time. But I'm going to go ahead and back it up with my best praise right here. <laughs> Hallelujah. God, we bless you. We praise you, Lord. We glorify your name tonight. 
hallelujah. We refuse to allow our yesterday to hinder us from our today. We refuse to allow our present conditions to limit us on what you're able to do now. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. (laughs) I feel better already. I said, I feel better already. I sense something in the atmosphere that is stirring. There's a shifting that's taking place. Hallelujah. Mindset. Somebody's mindset shifted tonight. Hallelujah. You're not going to look for the crumbs. You're not going to look for the alms, but you're looking for a permanent solution. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because it's a new season and it's a new day and there's fresh anointing is coming my way. Season of power and prosperity. It's a new season coming to me. Can you believe him for it? It's a new season. It's a new day. Fresh anointing flowing my way. A season of power, prosperity. It's a new season. Coming to me. Just pat yourself on the chest. It's coming to me. Come on, Jamie. It's a new day. It's a new day. Come on, let's sing this a minute. It's coming my way. Let's just prophesy over ourselves, over our family. And prosperity. for your family just claim it tonight I want you to raise your hands toward God tonight it's an act of faith an extension from where you presently are just extend your hands heavenly tonight Father we receive the word with meekness tonight
that is able to save our souls. Now, Father, I pray that our mind, our will, our emotions will be changed tonight, will be shifted in these moments that we're in your presence. God, for what we could.